I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll be reading there in just a moment. I want to set up a very important uh, message, the first in a series that will take us to Thanksgiving. And I think it's going to be so helpful, empowering, that even before we get into it, I, I, I pray diligently for each one of us to receive this as just a word of the Lord to us. And that we take advantage of an opportunity to bring as many people as we can as we talk about the subject that we start today. So I want to encourage you to make the most of your opportunity between Sundays to share a good word with somebody about the church and encourage them to be your guests. We have set this service strategically, as you know, and we believe that there are many people who would connect in this atmosphere if they were invited. Now, help us. Let's work together. Let's help each other in spreading the good news of what the Lord is doing in this service. And I appreciate that very much. So in a moment, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to put a picture here for you and I want you to look at it carefully. It's going to give us a way to think about joy. It's going to give us a way to think about life. And I want to begin by quoting Rick Warren, who's the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. He said, I used to think about life as a set of hills and valleys. You go through a dark time, and then you get to the mountaintop, and all is well. It's kind of back and forth. He says, I don't believe that anymore. He says, rather, I believe life is more like two rails on a railroad track. And at all times you have something good and something bad in your life. Hills and valleys, as the psalmist writes, is not one is difficult and one's a reprieve. It really is hills are to be climbed and can be challenging. Valleys can be low and long, and so we need the shepherd with us in the valley. And so the New Testament word would be that in this life, Jesus said, you're going to have some tribulation. But simultaneously to the tribulation, there's triumph because Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So we got them both all of the time. Now, let me quote Rick's wife, Kay. She says, every day of your life, good things happen. Beauty, pleasure, fulfillment, and perhaps even excitement occurs. That's the track of joy. But every day of your life also holds disappointment, challenges, struggles, and perhaps even losses for you or those you love. That's the track of sorrow. Now, we would like to try and outsmart the sorrow track by concentrating all of our efforts on the joy track, as if by our positive outlook or even outright denial of reality we can make the sorrow track go away that's impossible she writes because joy and sorrow will always be this side of heaven joy and sorrow are inseparable on the parallel tracks of life Kay Warren has put this in her book called choosing joy and I so recommend that book to you. 
I've thought at times of how life comes in waves. Like the waves are coming across your soul and they're just bringing the blessings of God and things couldn't be better. And then there are those seasons that are more difficult where the waves are rogue and, and adversarial. And you can't wait for a different time. And so I have looked at it as hills being difficult, valleys are the reprieve. We regroup, we recalibrate because, you know, trouble may come in the next season. Or waves, or good times, bad times. But having lived this long, I now 100% agree with what Rick and Kay Warren say. That life is really like a set of parallel tracks. And on any given day, any given season, any given year, there is a lot to celebrate. And at the same time, there are challenges and maybe disappointments and pain. What's the Bible say? That brings us to 2 Corinthians 6. Here's what Paul says. Follow with me. I'm 2 Corinthians 6, verse 9. We are ignored even though we are all well known. We live close to death. But we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we've not yet been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Are you picking up the parallel tracks here? <laughs> we are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Now, I want to put them side by side. If you go to this next track. If you took just the one side, he says, I'm ignored, I'm close to death, beaten, I have heartache, I'm poor, and I have nothing. But at the very same time, he says, I'm well known, still alive, not killed, have joy, spiritually rich, and have everything. Now this is revelation. This is helpful. See, if, if we wait for this, if this can only occur when none of this is happening, we wait for a day that may never come. We have to know that life is like parallel tracks. They run side by side. Let me give you some other ways to think about it. I'm sure right now, everybody in this room, here's a good word, you have success in your life. But you probably have an area where there's some suffering. And I want to put that on the screen. There's an area of success, and at the same time, there's suffering. There's resource. Everyone here has a measure of resource, and yet we're in a recession. There's joy. Every person in this room, there's something you could point to in your life that creates joy. It results in joy. Maybe it doesn't create it, but the result of it is joy. And there's something in your life that's sorrowful. There's laughter and crying. Because life runs on parallel tracks with both joy and sorrow, success and suffering. When Rick Warren released the book, Purpose Driven Life, it seemed to match what the culture was needing as no other book ever written other than the Bible. Because it has sold more copies than any other book in history besides the Bible. 
And the week the book was, rele was released, and it was flying off the shelf, where their life as they knew it completely changed in their visibility, influence, and finance was the very week that Kay, his wife, was diagnosed with cancer. Two tracks. Just a few months ago, they had led their church to a time where the focus was hope. And they had this Sunday where the sermon was on biblical hope. And each day of that week, there was a hope initiative that Saddleback Church was going to do. Starting churches, churches that they had been in the process of planting that were going to open. A national and international radio program that was titled Hope. And on the week of the Hope Initiatives is the week his son commits suicide. Because life runs on parallel tracks. So what do we make of this? If this is true, and as I began to give myself to this, this metaphor, this perspective of life, I came to the question, all right, that being true, so what? So what do I make of that? What's the message? What's the challenge? It's this. If we're going to be people of joy, then it will be a choice. Kay has a phenomenal definition of joy. She says joy is a settled conviction. It's a settled conviction about God. It's a confidence in God. And I love these words. She says it's a determined choice. There it is. A determined choice. Thinking of the tracks where you have both at the same time, then therefore... A choice has to be made if we're going to be people of joy because this when and then perspective doesn't work. When I am out of a season of difficulty, then I'll have joy. When this storm passes, then I'll have joy. When this sickness passes, then I'll have joy. When this financial crunch passes, then I'll have joy. And, and the the truth we're learning today is whatever the issue is on the downside, the sorrow side of the track, it, it won't end. It'll just be replaced with something else. And if you're stacking up some real testimony right now of, of goodness, faithfulness, all these kind of things, well, uh, praise God. But the, the truth we learned today is choosing joy when we're pulled, maybe one moment, we're laughing. And yet the other, we're fighting the tears. Do you find that between Sundays, it often feels like a roller coaster of emotion? It's really not a roller coaster. Because the roller coaster is up and it's down. It's the parallel tracks where we feel the tension. 
And if we aren't careful, we'll focus more on the one than the other and we'll miss joys while we're focused on sorrow. So, let's learn today. I think it's so interesting. Paul wrote this comparison in Corinthians. He also wrote Philippians. Every commentator of New Testament writing says, Philippians is the happiest book of the New Testament. Maybe the Bible. Now think about that for a moment. There's the name. It's the happiest book. Let me give you a brief capsule of the four years of Paul's life leading up to writing this book. Two years, he was in prison in Caesarea because of false accusation. They take him out of prison because they're going to transport him to Rome. And so they put him on a ship on the Mediterranean. And while on that ship, there's storm and shipwreck, and he is adrift at sea. What would that be like? So, you're you're out of prison, still bound, being transported to be put back in prison. And now you are adrift at sea, not even knowing if you'll survive that. But you do get to this island, and it doesn't even see you're you're quite dried off, and a snake bites you. (laughs) He finally does get to Rome. He is thrown in prison, and 24 hours a day, he is chained to a prison guard. Can you imagine 24 hours a day? Every four hours, they changed the guard. Now, listen. Having come through Caesarea's imprisonment, shipwreck, snake-bitten, Now he's in prison in Rome, and he writes the happiest, joyful book of the New Testament. This just convicts me. It it convicts me at the deepest level. It's obvious that Paul is choosing joy. There's nothing that's generating it out of circumstance. It is is a choice of his heart to choose joy. So I just want to give you this first challenge. Choose joy. I'm challenging myself. The action step this week is to choose joy. Choose joy. What What could help us to choose joy? I mean, Paul said... Every time I think of you, I praise God for you. I'm going to come back to that because I think it's, it's got a lesson in it. But in this choice, Corey Tim Boom, many of you know her story. I posted one of her quotes this last week on Facebook. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. That's a choice. That's a choice. Choose joy. I was raised in church. And I remember this 
visiting evangelists shared this story about a farmer's mule. And I've never forgotten it. He said this farmer's mule fell into a pit. And that the mule was old and the farmer couldn't figure out how he would ever get the mule out. And since the mule was old, he just decided he'd invite his friends over. They would take shovels and just bury the mule. So they're shoveling the dirt, throwing it into the pit, and it falls down on the mule. And apparently, by the story, the mule decides he's not ready to die. So the mule decides, you know, if I, if I shake off this dirt, it kind of helps me get to the next level. So the more they threw the dirt on the mule, the more the mule shook it off, and the more the mule got to the next level until ultimately the mule just walked right out of the pit. And I remember that evangelist saying, and I can still see it, the evangelist kind of got into his own illustration. He said, the mule shook it off and stepped up. Shook it off and stepped up. The, the mule made a choice. I'm not ready to die. This isn't good, so I'm going to have to make a choice. Shake it off and step up. I'm going to ask you to make a choice this week. Choose joy. And if you're going to choose joy, you're going to have to shake some things off and use them as stepping stones to the next level. Come on, let's praise him for that. Make a choice. And as I've processed joy, you know, Choosing joy. I want to be real because do you know somebody who's really living in biblical joy? Are you? I mean, what if by just the way you're wired up, you're not bubbly? And maybe... Really, joy is only for those people who are wired up that way. What if you are fighting a, a chemical issue in your body and there's some discouragement or depression? What if you're in pain? Should you have to choose joy? Should you choose joy? Is it possible if you choose that you can actually have it? I mean, if you're working for the Antichrist, can you have joy? See what I'm saying? It's like, is it, is it possible if we, is it only possible to live in joy if there's only one side of the track and it's good? Is it possible to choose joy when, when our hearts are breaking, when there are issues, when there are things that are very difficult? I want you to remember Paul, I want you to Use him as the model. I want you to read Philippians verse by verse by verse by verse. I mean, it, it just blows my mind. And let me just move into the second challenge. Choose joy, that's number one. Create joy, that's number two. Create it. Well, how? Gratitude. Every study in the world has proven that Gratitude is directly linked to the joy level in our lives. 
And joy is what produces strength. So if I'm going to get stronger, I have to be more joyful. And I'm going to have to choose joy and create joy. One way I create joy is a habit of gratitude. A habit of gratitude. (laughs) Paul starts the book of Philippians saying, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. When you read the four chapters of Philippians, he never talks about what it was like starting the church. You know the story. He goes into Philippi to share the gospel to start a church. And they beat him within an inch of his life. Falsely accuse him. Throw him in prison. That prison was of the worst. He's strapped to the wall just above the city sewer. An earthquake happens. He doesn't know it's a God thing. So you're beaten, you're in prison, you're in pain. Now an earthquake is happening. And it ends up freeing him from prison. And then the city leaders come and beg him to leave town. That's how the church started. And so now he writes a letter back to them. And it's a thank you note. Not one time does he say anything about being beaten or put in prison. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Now, I haven't come through anything close to that. And some of my memories don't spark that kind of praise. So... He's showing us memories are a choice. You choose what you want to remember. I'm not saying you can forget anything. I'm saying you choose what you remember. He chose to think about the people that helped him plant that church. He chose to think about the home that was open to him. He chose to think about that his imprisonment really promoted the gospel. He chose to think about that his imprisonment was getting him closer and closer to declaring the gospel in Rome, which was his ultimate passion to begin with. He chose what he would remember, which led to gratitude, which created joy. The more grateful we are, the more joyful we are, the stronger we are. Every time I think of you. Now think of the people in your life. If you're married, think of your spouse. If you have children, think of your children. Is that your thought? When you think of your spouse, does it lead to gratitude? When you think of your kids, gratitude. When you think of each other, when you think of the church, you think of your neighbors. Every time I think of you. Because the tendency I'm seeing is The older we get, the less gratitude we have. We tend to live long enough, we can take each other for granted. 
We live long enough for whatever reason we want to focus on things that aren't praiseworthy. So we're going to have to be intentional. If you have painful memories, mm, the Lord wants to help you deal with those painful memories. How did Paul deal with the painful memories? He had them. The lesson is the Holy Spirit was helping him so that when he wrote a letter back to Philippi, it wouldn't come from the heart of a man bitter and broken, but a man thankful. Help me, Lord. Help me to be that way. Choose and create joy. I want you to own that and and I want you to go for that this week. When Kay Warren was interviewed by Piers Morgan on the Clinton News Network, um, Kay said in response to her son's suicide, many awesome things, and I would encourage you to Google it and get the transcript. Go on YouTube and watch it. It's profound and powerful. Life-changing. She said, Pierce, I have a, a hope box. It's a little marble box, and over the years, I've written down verses of hope, and I've put them in the box. I've read them. They're my devotions, and I put them in the hope box. She said, when our son committed suicide, I went a few days without opening the hope box, and I finally asked myself, then what am I going to turn to? So once again, I took the scripture and opened my hope box and started writing down hope-filled verses, and I would put them in my hope box. She said, but I also created a new box. It's called the mystery box. And when I had a question about my son's suicide that I couldn't answer, I put it in the mystery box. A question like, was he thinking of us before he died? Why, after tens of thousands of prayers, does it end like this? I had to put it in the mystery box. And then here it comes. And I want to show you this picture. She said, when you think of the parallel tracks, and I want to go to that picture if you can. When you think of the parallel tracks, if you've ever done this, and I would encourage you, to think about it, use this one as a metaphor. When you look down the tracks, as you look out into the distance, it seems that the two come together. Kay says, my hope is this. My hope is, is in the Lord that out in the distance where the two come together, that's heaven. These two parallel tracks, that's right now. But I know, she says, that in the future, they're going to come together. I'm going to be in heaven, and victory will triumph over sorrow. And when I get to heaven, there won't be any death. There won't be any pain. 
not sorrow can't even enter there. I know where I'm going. And the hope box is filled with verses that support that conviction. In the meantime, was he thinking about us? Why did it end this way? I put those in the mystery box. And I know when I get there, all the questions will be answered. Until then, I've got choices to make. She says, I choose joy. And I will create joy. As a little kid sitting in children's church, it seemed every week we sang, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Down in my heart. If I try to find joy on one side or the other, it's fleeting. But if I look down in my heart, that's where it is. Because my joy doesn't come from the good or the bad. My joy comes from knowing I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've got the joy, 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 not in my bank account, not in the latest purchase, not in the latest report, not in the circumstance. No, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Circumstance can't give me joy, and circumstance can't take my joy. Because joy is a result of a right perspective and a choice to know right now there's trouble but it's temporary and compared to that eternal weight of glory I'm going to make it. I want fresh joy. I want the strength that comes from joy. And I know you do, so don't look around. It's in your heart. It's not in breaking news. It's not in memories or in dreams. It's in our heart. Hallelujah. May God release joy over your life, over your home, over your thoughts, over your emotions. May He release it as you choose it. As you come into cooperation with the Holy Spirit. As you cooperate with God's truth. May he then release that which is his to give. That which is his to bless you with. That which circumstance can't, can't create it and can't take it away. It comes from the Father. What is the kingdom of God? It is joy and strength in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. That's why if you're unsaved today, you should run to Jesus in your heart. Because he's joy, he's peace, he's power. 
and it's not connected to anything that you've done or ever will do. It is the gift of God. It's the grace of God, the love of God, the, the power of Jesus. If you open up your heart, he'll change your life. And he'll establish you on a foundation so that in your darkest hour, you still have the power to choose. How does Kay and Rick choose? Because it's empowered of the Holy Spirit, the one in whom they love. He's empowering that choice. And he'll empower your choice. And he'll help you be intentional to create it. You can walk out of here and you can say 10 positive things or 10 negative things. Anybody can be negative and we're bent toward it. That's why Paul said in Philippians an entire section, here's the things you think on. You got to be intentional to think on things that are pure and praiseworthy and of a good report. Everybody can walk around giving the bad report. That just comes from our old fallen Adamic nature why don't we break out into the joy of the lord uh, it, many of you know about facebook there's an algorithm now on facebook and they are charting the joy that is in this country by the words we use in our post there's an algorithm in the church in the church of the lord jesus christ should be spilling over in joy because there's such a discouraged culture in this country right now that what could shine as light in darkness is someone just being blessed with a real sense of joy. And when they study you, you have problems too. What's the difference? You have a source. You have a savior and he's empowering you to make a choice. Glory to God. This is our finest hour if we choose.